Good evening. I'm Archie Whitford, your host here, back with another episode of Hans's Protocol Weekly. Um, today's episode is a bit of a first for us. Uh, we're not actually interviewing the founder of a protocol per se, uh, but but rather what is by nature an, an API provider of sorts. Uh, I'm here today with Lanre Adelor, uh, CEO and founder of Fluid Coins, uh, who are building uh, the crypto infrastructure for African merchants. Uh, how are you going today, Lanre? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm, I'm really well. I'm really well. I'm glad, glad to be here with you. Um, you guys provide at Sword Coins a, a vast array of sort of services. I'd be here all day if I tried to describe uh, what you guys are doing for merchants. Could you try and present the Fluid Coin solution in sort of a more concise way? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, what we are doing at Fluid Coins is um, a way to grow the crypto economy for African businesses, right? Just trying to, you know, enhance African the participation of African uh, merchants or businesses or fintechs in, in, in the crypto space. Um, that's, that's really like the TLD of what we are building at, at Flitcoins. Yeah. And in, in, in a bit more detail, sort of beyond, beyond payments, I've noticed you guys are working on a lot. What, what else is, is sort of in the works or already being offered to merchants at the moment through Fluidcoin? Yeah, sure. So, um, aside payments, we, you know, allow businesses, you know, convert their balance sheets in, in Naira or fiat currency to stable coins. And in the future, we'll be able to allow them, um, convert it, you know, to tokens, to other currencies. Um, you know, we also allow businesses, you know, um, leave the traditional banking interest, the traditional ba- saving in the traditional banking world, you know, and saving different protocols. Um, as an example, um, and yeah, for other people, site payments, we also allow, you know, fintechs, you know, um, building to build crypto products across five different blockchains and, and counting. Yeah. What, what was it that sort of prompted you to get into starting Fluent Coins or got you into crypto in the first place? Cause you got a very interesting background. Yeah. So, um, prior to Fluent Coins, you know, I, I, I've always lived in Lagos, Nigeria, but I was working remotely for a company in the UK and Singapore. Um, but it was always at sending money back to Nigeria. I mean, and prior to that, I mean, I'd always worked remotely. So that was you know, like my first um, remote gig. I'd always worked remotely, used transfer wise or wise to take my money. But having to send it back to Nigeria was a pain. It was, it was an absolute, you know, always going through checks and checks and checks and multiple checks. Um, then I just randomly used, a friend and I just randomly used Bitcoin wanted to send the money. And that was like, I mean, I'd always known crypto. Uh, but I don't least had like a little Ethereum Bitcoin here, but it wasn't like deep, deep. So just like, oh, let me just buy this out and that's it. It wasn't like I was really so, so interested in it. But that kind of like changed my, my perspective around the that, you know, across, you know, permissionless money, able to um, skip censorship, right? Because it was a form of censorship, you know, that, you know, I had my money with, you know, stayed for like a week because of checks and whatnot. So that just kind of like changed my entire idea around um, digital assets and, and cryptocurrency and, that's what just led me to food coins. I ju- at that point, I just knew I was going to build something in that space. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. It was it, a lot of people often refer to sort of remittances, the the base case for cryptocurrency, the most obvious thing, like wiring transactions becomes a lot easier when you go, uh, say, wallet to wallet and cheaper. Um, so what was it that sort of pushed you then towards like, even more transactional, like towards payments and merchants, and then uh, some of the other fascinating stuff that you guys are doing at Fluid Coins now. Yeah, so um, when I wanted to start, you know, I was looking at the entire space, right? And it was filled with retail activities. 
right? Um, everyone was building remittance tools, trading apps, all these apps, right? And and I really didn't want to do the same thing. I felt it was only a crowded space, right? Um, <laughs> but it was a crowded space, but um, they still had like a lot of friction getting a bunch of things done, right? You know, it's either they were waiting for, so they were waiting for a merchant or a provider somewhere to do something. And so yeah, that process was not just smooth, right? We could take anywhere from from a month to three months to actually go live um, with, you know, trying to get the best provider rates, all this kind of multiple things joined together, right? Or it might be that somebody who is actually a reseller and a reseller and just like it, so many layers on top of it, right? And I just wanted to like smoothen out that process. Uh, and also at that time, you know, I was, I was talking with my friends and they were like, they were all complaining about, you know, um, they, they run small, small, small BTO businesses, right? And they were all complaining about, you know, um, savings, interest rates and whatnot. And it just felt like the perfect thing to do, right? How about, you know, I do something that can, that, that speaks to the needs of these people, right? For their use case, it doesn't even pay me. They just, oh, I wanted the way to, you know, save my money easily. Right, dollars is scarce, but I do want to save my money. Isn't it? So that's just kind of like spun up the whole idea of, you know, how can I build something that can actually improve the participation of businesses in the crypto space? Right. So those that do want payments, when you get the payments, what happens after payments? You can't just leave the money waiting there, right? The money has to be productive in some other way. So yeah, we can help people this in different protocols. Or if you want to, you know, keep your working capital with stable coins, prevent um, inflation. Um, certain fiat devaluation and food inflation rises to affect the costs of, you know, what you have in the bank. We can help you keep it in stable coins, right? Since I've seen like the beauty and what and the power of what crypto can do, I just wanted to, you know, help as much businesses as possible, right? So, so because I definitely wouldn't be, really be the only one experiencing that issue. So that was just the old thought process that, yeah, that there'll be like a lot of businesses that are experiencing the issue I've had in the past, or they might not even know they need something like this. How about we get that to their needs? Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's a it's a really cool thing, and I think what what I really personally like about fluid coins, like there's the classic meme about Web three and DeFi in particular, that a lot of it is solutions looking for problems. Um, you, in many cases, are creating like new financial primitives for African merchants, um, and in the case where you're not creating them, you're vastly improving upon them. On that note. You've done a very good job in only nine months of acquiring uh, an absolute mass of merchants on the platform. Is it a tough sales process or sort of what's the process in terms of reaching out to those merchants? Is there any resistance or how, how does that usually run for you? Um, yes, there's, there's a bunch of resistance, um, you know, so when, so when most people hear crypto, they hear uh, Bitcoin, they, they, they automatically think Bitcoin, Ethereum and these volatile assets. Um, which are really not like the, the best for, you know, transactional payments and whatnot. They're usually like, um, now my money is going to get lost. My money is going to be decreasing and decreasing. It's bad for business, right? And we have to say, okay, take it a step down. Um, we're actually not suggesting you take Bitcoin, right? We are suggesting you take something that expects to the dollar and like it will literally never go down, right? Or go up. It's always going to be one dollar forever. Right. Um, so that's really kind of like a tough sales process because, I mean, it, it kind of like goes back to education, right? So something we are trying to invest in over the next three quarters is education, right? But that's actually kind of like a major pull, a major pushback that we get a lot um, about, oh, I don't want to take Bitcoin. And, and for a reason, we do not have, 
we only have stable coins on our payments platform because of that specific reason, right? That's the major um, thing we don't see, to be honest. That's the major issue we don't see. But, um, but, but it all goes back to education, which we are trying to, to, to help businesses out with the lot. Yeah, a point, a point of curiosity here now that you mentioned stable coins. A lot of program, a lot of projects tend to, well, I guess most of the ones that we know of uh, today have tended to peg themselves to the USD. Do you see any potential for the potential to set stablecoin pegged to the Naira or any other of the domestic African economies? Sure, but yeah, but, but the viability is, is, is where the problem is, right? Um, the, the Naira is, it's not a so well performing currency. So there's actually no reason for you to, um, keep your money in Naira. Like, regardless of if it's on the blockchain, it's still pegged to the Naira, right? Um, and an example, Naira has fallen around 60% over the last year, around 50%. Over the last year, uh, last year it was probably around, you know, 400-ish. Now it's like, you know, 750 so, to, the, to the 750 naira to the dollar. So it's really a bad idea to, um, to have to keep your money in, in, the, in the currency pegs to the naira. That's really the same for most other African countries, right? So if you really just want to do it, it's just a, a matter of, you know, I just want to flex my technical skills. Right? I just want to say, I'm in crypto, but my money is with the central bank. Right, but aside from that, there's really not an, an opportunity there, at least over the next, I, I strongly feel over the next decade. Yeah, and so beyond that, and I think, I think that argument makes a lot of sense because I guess the classic argument was acting as a um, inflation and fluctuations hedge. Um, right. I guess on, on that about, you mentioned Nigeria and the Naira specifically at the moment, I believe you guys have gone for a really interesting growth strategy, and that is to build out a full suite of products in Nigeria and then plan to expand across other geographies in Africa. Do you, did you ever consider maybe just niching down on payments and then expanding and building out services or was this always the way you envisioned it? Yeah, this was actually always the way it has been envisioned because it will take a whole lot of time for payments to catch up, right? Before, you know, we can have a lot of people doing, you know, day to day transactions with payments. It's going to take like a week, a year, two years. Um, so, how about they do other things, right? Uh, we can't just be stunted, right? There's a lot of opportunities in crypto, right? So what I tell my team members a lot is, you know, um, in the next year, if if we do find new opportunities, new ways to actually allow more participation in the crypto space, we are going to build it out, right? So payment is really not just the end goal really is, uh, the end goal for us really is how do we make, how do we bring more people into crypto? How do we bring more businesses to participate actively in crypto and payments is just one of the one of the many ways we can do that, right? Um, so yeah, that's always been the big plan to actually build like a space and entire suite of products that could cater to businesses. Uh, payments is just you know kind of like an easy way to get started, right? Or an easy way to just bring people in, right? Because oh, you can take payments, that's fine. Then oh, we have this other thing you could do. We have this other thing you could do, right? Payments just seem like the easy first step to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's like I find really cool about your project is just how much you are doing and that full suite of services, which brings me to sort of my next question. Where else in like the merchant finance stack uh, do you reckon you can build on top of that? Like I think obviously lending is the very obvious one, but obviously fraught with risk as well. Um, where else do you see the open problems um, in terms of what Fluid Coins is doing for merchants? Um. That's a very interesting question because um, we've actually never thought um, too much about lending. Uh, sorry, about others aside lending. 
um, like proprietary financial tools, aside lending. Um, because right now, to be honest, we are just more focused on, you know, just, just building stuff um, as, as much as possible. And we see growth. And because it's, it's, I think it all boils down to data, right? We don't have that necessary. We don't have that much data to determine, you know, what next, right? Um, that we could bring, like, from, like, the financial world. Right? Because we could just keep on building. Right. So there, there, there's a certain there's a certain baseline of primitives that we can have, which we're already building out right now, right? But we need as much data to be able to expand, right? Um, so let's say we have a baseline of like we have like a, a section of metrics, maybe like five hundred that say, oh, we used to use this to maybe financial, the traditional financial. How about to build it out, right? So we don't have that set of data to be able to like properly um do that. But we we've thought about lending a lot, like an actual lot, and um. <clears throat> That is something that we do plan to do um, over like in Q4 this year or Q1 um, with, uh, yeah, maybe I might just say, I tried to do a token. So yeah, we're trying, we are, we, are, we are looking around it. We are looking around the token play and that could actually fast uh, track um, our lending products, you know, so, so we're able to, you know, um, lend out monies to, to, to businesses, you know, that might need long-term commitments, whatever, and whatnot. So yeah, that, that's definitely a place we are, we are really interested in. But aside, well, aside tradition, other traditional stats, uh, it's something we've actually not fully fleshed out because we really want to be very, very, very much tied to data. Yeah, and on, on that, I'm going to dive right into the token stuff after this. I think that's really fascinating. You made, you made the point about how a lot of data at the moment for these merchants is quite unavailable. Um. But now that you guys have your systems in place, uh, particularly with payments, you, I imagine you'd be able to track uh, a lot of orders that are made through merchants. Do you sort of take that data and how do you go about using that now that it's there where it previously wasn't? That's probably like 85% of our PM. So we do track a lot of data points um, about you know usage, how, um, track a lot of data points about usage, um, what's, you know, what people are paying with the most. So as an example, right, let me give an example. <clears throat> Initially, we, we served just Tron and Ethereum. As an example, we had, um, our PM just randomly hooked up our support tickets one day and it searched through and it did some analysis and it saw that, oh, Tron was coming out a lot. And we're like, oh, why can't we do it? Make Tron integration. So why can't we make Polygon integration like that? And we did that, right? Every two weeks, we do well. Uh, we do a sit down to look at metrics. You know what? What are people trying to do the most? Uh, what are people requesting for the most? Uh, I will try to make sense of it, right? Uh, it could even be you know user actions. Why are users trying to try to pay with USDC? So I think a, a major question we had like two weeks ago was why are users not paying with USDC, right? Um, because. According to our data, USDT on Tron is like 91% of our entire volume, right? Which is just insane. And we are like, yeah. why is that not paying? And we try to, you know, look, try to filter the data, see what's going on and whatnot. But we really try to make sense of it once every two weeks um, to the best of our ability. Uh, we, and again, like, obviously, we do take a lot of data. Now that you've come up with a really good analogy, like it is, it is pretty stunning that 90% was on, as you mentioned, Tron and USDT. Um, now into the really fun stuff, uh, token plans. Uh, I, I have my own visions of what fluid coins could be as maybe like a financial super around for Africa. And so in, in that sense, 
this strikes me as what could possibly be the the first token project that has a lot like on mass uh real world uh transaction potential can you sort of run run us through what fluid coins plans are for a token at the moment um what sort of possibilities that it might enable yeah sure so um so yeah, uh, like like you said yeah we, we, we are planning to launch the token um and, and and the interesting thing really is you know it's it, it's it's mentally a utility token Right for our ecosystem, right. So a bunch of things that it could it could it could unlock. As an example, is um you you as a merchant. So as an example, we do take we do take a, we do take transactional fees, right? So of you know when you take payments, you take like a card. So if you are paying you know hundred dollars, we are taking I think one dollar. Um, as an example, right. So 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 a token like if you if you do all tokens, you are a staker. You could you know take your transactional, you could drive your transactional fee to zero. Right. If you are trying to convert your balance sheet to stable coins, right, we take zero dot percent there about they could drive your cost to zero, right? Because we, we we consider you a core member of our community, right? So there's a bunch of reward use cases, you know, that um that that we can use our token to incentivize for for merchants. Um and, and we actually have a side project, which is kind of like a, a which is kind of like a cash up for stable coins that we are trying to build for for Africa, right? Uh, we launched that like six weeks ago. We have currently we have around nineteen thousand users by six weeks product, which is insane, by the way. So, so our token would actually play a great role there. You know, um, things like you know cashbacks. Um, um, you spend that merchants. How about we give you cashbacks with our tokens? Um, you spend online with your with your dollar card because we have dollar cards backed by stable coins on the app, as an example. So when you spend your card online, you're actually spending your stable coins. And how about we give you cashbacks on your purchases, right? Um, there's a bunch of things we could actually incentivize across the entire system. Um, and we are super stoked about, about uh, the token, but that's actually how we are, we are thinking, about, thinking about it, to be honest. Yeah, and then I guess the, the interesting point, going back to what you were saying earlier, how could a token sort of facilitate the lending side of things? Uh, yes, yes. So in initial distribution, Right, um, there'll be around maybe twenty percent, you know, to the treasury, thereabouts. Um, so that is marketing activities and and start out our lending processes. Um, you know, lend out and see where it goes from, right? Because it's going to be great. It's kind of like our own money, and we can release it bit by bit over you know the next few years, right? Um, and for the first unlock per se, we could use that to test the waters, right? At at literally like no external cost to us. Um, so yeah, that's something we really plan to do. Um, and that's how it's going to work. Um, from like the first unlock of the treasury part of the, of the distribution. Yeah. We'd be plan to, we'd plan to take a tiny bit of it and use it to, um, test the waters with, with lending, um, for, for some businesses. Yeah. No, it, it is, it is a really fascinating and sort of wide reaching, um, utility token. Uh, you pre, you broached earlier a little bit about fluid coins plans for, the consumer side with your sort of cash app analogy. Um, at the moment, it's primarily a merchant solution. Makes a lot of sense. How do you sort of go about bringing the roadmap towards the consumer side of things and sort of what, what, what gets rolled out first for, say, your, your everyday purchaser? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, so like you said, we are majorly uh, a, a, a business facing side. We actually did not plan to do any consumer products, but you know, so, so I do have the sales currently at Floatcoins, you know, so I was talking to a few people and they were like, oh, what, so what can I do with Floatcoins? 
Um, and, you know, I had to keep on repeating, oh, you could do this, you could do that, you could use your fintech to do this, you could use our APIs to do that. And they just wanted to repeat it and then. I was bored one day and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm about to do something that uses like four or five different APIs of Flutecoin that produce a single app. So when people ask me, what can Flutecoin So I'm like, hey, buddy, look at this. <laughs> you can do all of these things with Flutecoin's API. <laughs> I spoke with my team members and they were like, yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm built out the app. So it's just that we plan to build something we could use as a demo, right? So when somebody asks, what can you do with Flutecoin's API? I'm like, um, you can use Flutecoin's API to convert your fiat to stablecoins or your stablecoins to fiat or send to your local bank accounts or generate crypto addresses across five blockchains or send out across five blockchains, all of these things, right? And it just turned out that maybe people like the product a lot and now we are stuck <laughs> because I think, I think I was telling my team last week that, oh, so what, what, where do we go from here? <laughs> because it's like, we just launched this thing and 20 users, boom, I like, what do we do? We didn't plan for this. Right. So mostly we are going to keep on prioritizing merchants. Um, um, we're going to keep on prioritizing merchants. Um, I want to actually, we try to put onto the app is, you know, how consumers can actually directly pay merchants from the app. Right. Yeah. So, so the end game really, so right now the end game for us really is merchants, but how can we use the consumer app to drive more people moving to the merchant side? It's kind of like a thing that kind of like helps our end goal. Right. But we are not like super, super. We are not like laser focused on it. Um, if somebody came right now and said, Oh, I'm going to offer you X thousand, X hundred thousands of dollars to take the consumer app, yeah, I think we'll take it off. Uh, they will. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will too, right? Because our main focus has always for businesses, you know, um, how to get more businesses into the space and whatnot. Um, so yeah, we are just, it's kind of like, it, we actually consider it something that, we actually consider it like a side project that that. We considered the site project that has gone like real overboard. Um, but our focus really is beyond merchants and whatnot. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things to unpack there. I think that the first thing that I'm really fascinated about for those who are listening who are familiar with the Fluid Coins model, what they offer, they offer an API for free to businesses to be able to accept those payments. Uh, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, Landry, but businesses can do whatever they want with that API. So what are the most sort of ambitious or the coolest or most creative uses that you've seen merchants sort of give that API? Ah, uh, yeah. So I think, I think one thing that actually blew my mind and I actually never saw, that I actually never saw this coming was, you know, um, was people using this for outwards remittances, right? Startups, other fintech startups in Nigeria, you know, sometimes it might be operational in multiple countries, right? And for auditing reasons, um, they need to only send monies out from their main bank accounts, right? Maybe in Mercury or Brick, somewhere in the US, right? Yeah. Um, this fintech would sign up or startup would sign up and um, they will go from Naira to USDT and from USDT to USDT, their bank accounts in the US. And I, I didn't even know until the team member pointed it out that like so three people are doing this. Like, what's going on? We didn't plan for this. We just knew. Oh, you could send, you, we could help you send your stable coins to your US bank accounts, but we thought it was a nice to have. We didn't know it would be, it would be used. We just said it was a nice to have. Uh, but it turned out that was like a super weird use case, but it's great anyways for, for our products, um, for people that needed to outward remittances because outward remittances wasn't like, wasn't like what was on the top of our head. It was mostly for like, we actually, where we did the products was, you know, the, the transfer to US bank accounts was for maybe for, for people, you know, that adds to, 
that wanted to uh, purchase goods outside the country, like like you know, um, businesses that you know had to do a lot of you know export and uh, importing. They had to pay a merchant somewhere outside the country, right? But we didn't expect it to be used by regular startups, or regular fintechs yeah. <laughs> that wanted to you know remit money back to to the admin industry. So yeah, that's a very that's a very weird that's a very weird way just use case um, or crazy use case we've seen to date. So yeah, I think another first that has caught our eyes is is the person that built is the person that built a Telegram bot. But um, they were accepting crypto payments to join the Telegram group. Yeah, that was that's a very interesting, interesting project. Which I think it's called Curious Pages. I don't know, but I'll take it on my private send it to you later. Right? That's a very, very interesting, interesting use case we've seen. And so wait, if if I'm correcting that right, because this sounds really, really odd, like paying paying Telegram users to join a particular group. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Like Telegram users have yeah. to pay. With crypto. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's interesting, actually. Makes a lot of sense. I'll share, I'll share, I'll share the link afterwards. Um, I'll look for it, but that's a very, that's a very, very interesting, interesting use case we've seen. Yeah, no, it must be very, very validating to see, see people use it so differently, like on, on those two spectrums on your classic FinTank and then your Telegram. Yeah, it was just, a, it was just an indie developer. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it must be nuts. Hey, like, first of all, how do you, how do you keep, on top of all of that, is there is there a feed that shows you how all of this is being used, or is this just constant client outreach? Like how how do you how do you keep track of how people are using the APIs? So we have an onboarding process, right? So so when you do sign up, um, you can use the API in test mode. You are playing with test nets, store your stuff on test nets, right? Um, but when you are trying to go live, we do take like some compliance documents and whatnot, um, for regulatory reasons, um. So when the entire process, right, you know, we review your business, you know, what you've done. So, so, so it just kind of like sticks up our head, right? And over the first two, three weeks, you know, we actively check in, you know, do you need any help? Uh, what issues are you having? Just draw that data from there, right? So for all people's sake. Um, so, so when we look at it, when we're looking at your documents, we can say, oh, you have a website. And maybe we just check yourself. Oh, it's super nice. This is what you're building, right? And so, you know, using like the the actual uh, main net um we we check in one two three weeks you know to understand if you have any problems if our engineering team could help um or whatever we could just assist you together so we just we get like we get like an idea of how about people are using and it just kind of like sticks in the air i mean we do not have it we do not have a thousand businesses at this point so so it's easy for for everything to really stay up in the end <laughs> yeah it's, it's an extremely impressive customer service effort um, doing it, they're doing it with the engineering team as well. Um, on on that note, something that sort of blew my mind a little bit because I'd I'd seen you guys before and I'd I'd done I'd done my research on fluid coins. But one thing that I only realised very late in the piece was just how capital efficient that you guys had been in nine months. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the amount that you guys were working <laughs> off, but how how. Did how did you manage to be so efficient? Like, I think it's it's a personification of like, like what what people should aspire to in the bear market. Sort of. Do you do you have any lessons for maybe other like bootstrap founders trying to get to where you did with with those same constraints? Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I so I think in our case, what really worked out. It's what really worked out. With, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very very technical person. So I was able to, you know, build out a massive part of the product, you know, um, without, you know, outsourcing or getting contractors, 
and whatnot. So I think that was really what worked out very well for our case. And as an example, you know, I'm, I'm still the only engineer, um, but we do have, we do have people doing front end work, UI kind of stuff, but I'm still the only engineer as an example. Um, and in the early days, I did really most of everything, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's really a, a, a big lesson to pick out from there. You know, uh, maybe you really should start with a very, very, a very, very sound technical team. Um, and do the sales yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, because I, I do, I, till death, I do sales like every single, like 80% of businesses that I actually use us right now. I did, I did the sales myself. Um, spoke to, um, their founders, their CEO and themselves. Um, I literally have like, like a, like a one hour, a one hour, um, blogs time on my calendar daily to actually do sales. Um, I mean, to be great to hire a salesperson, but we are capital constraints. We have to do these things ourselves. So I think it, so I think mostly it's just about getting dirty when you can, uh, making sure that um your your founding team or your starting team can 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 get dirty when, whenever they whenever they need to. I've had to learn I've had to learn Figma and uh, do a bunch of Figma designs just to, you know just to get stuff going. Um, so, so I just think it really boils down to it really boils down to you know um it really boils down to having a very technical team and people that are that and people that are willing to to get dirty um every once in a while. Yeah, and like it's obviously worked very well in getting you from zero to one. And then now that you're the CMO and the chief design officer and the chief executive officer and head of BD, what happens now that when you go from one to a hundred and you're trying to scale across different countries? What, what what's sort of the challenge there? Yeah, yeah. So um, right now we've done quite well, you know, considering you know what we've been working with. Um, we're at a point where you know where we actually need to scale out small, you know, expand to other countries. That cannot be done realistically. That cannot be done with this thing, with like with the team size and whatnot. There's going to be like an operational deficiency. Um, so yeah, definitely. Before we do that, it's going to you know scale out the team. We are, we, we are definitely going to scale out the team, and, and there will be like much more. There will be like much more concise responsibilities, right? So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the seas of many things. Um, <laughs> um, you have. You have people to you have people that, that are actually going to be doing their own thing, doing their thing and being great at it, right? Um, um I think it, it, it's super important, you know, if, if we are if we are really going to it's actually going to going to be one of the things that will take us to, you know, from ten to a hundred. Uh we've done we've done zero to ten, how about we go to ten to hundred, but it means you have to build out much more concise rules and more and more manpower. Yeah, no, and yeah, I guess it's all it's all very sensible. Like you say, you can't be the seas of everything forever. Um, on on that note about what well, once you have scaled, what what is sort of the grand vision for Fluid Coins? So, say you're at a point where you're now in in every country in Africa. What what do you want Fluid Coins to look like? How do you want people to be using Fluid Coins? And then what role do you play in the economy there? Yes, sure. Uh, job mission really is to see like a lot of people. In the next four or five years, you know, having to having to carry out their day to day lives with with stable points. So I think a major win for us is a major win for us really is um is the more is the number of people we can onboard into the crypto space, right? So by the next five years, if if I mean Africa is a really huge economy, right? So if we're able to get you know a lot of penetration, I think it's a very huge win for us, right? Because so say in say in Nigeria as an example. Right, if we're able to get, let's say realistically, there are, there are 10 million people that purchase things online every day. Let's just use as a, as a data point. Um, if we're able to realistically get, you know, four to six million people considering to use crypto every day, um, easily for their payment, we consider that they win, 
Right. Uh, I mean, it's coming from, you know, today where out of that 10 million people is really only, um, uh, it's really only 10 to 20,000 people that would actually consider, you know, using, using crypto to make payments online. So, so yeah, if we're able to get massive numbers, you know, having to move people into crypto, having, having more businesses, you know, think about crypto, having more individuals think about, you know, um, I want to make this payment, but I would rather pay for my wallet instead. Right. That's really like the ground vision. How do we bring more people into crypto? So if more people to get into crypto, we've actually won um, in a way, right? And because you know, we are also providing uh we're also providing services for other businesses to build crypto capabilities into their products, right? So the more fintechs, the more fintechs start building crypto into their products, strains of crypto into their products, it's a win for us. Um, because obviously it leads to more market adoption and whatnot. So that, that's that's really what that's really what that's really what they win and what it looks like for us in the next five years. Yeah, and, uh, it's a, it's a very ambitious mission. Like I think it's it's something that a lot of people should aspire to is the whole sort of mass adoption argument. On on that note, right? Is there anything else you're seeing in Africa beyond what Fluid Coins is doing, or beyond what any other payments or remittance providers are doing that are really driving adoption there? How how are you seeing crypto being used in Africa at the moment? Um, yes, yeah, so so primarily crypto is still being used. It's majorly used as as trading for trading um reasons. Uh, for the most part, sadly enough, people are building use cases uh, on top of crypto. I think another really interesting um uh, interesting project that you know is kind of like trying to draw people to the crypto space is they're called Nest Coin. I think right now they are building a pay to end kind of thing. That you know that could draw more people into the crypto space. Uh, that's really something you know that I actually look forward to. Um, since it brings more people into the space, I think only Nest Coins gaming thing comes to mind at this point. And uh, they actually, uh, they actually do have like a newsletter. I mean, you could think of it as Coinbase N. I don't know if you know that Coinbase N platform where you end stuff to to read about crypto and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. they are doing that too at the same time. So yeah, I think they are really the only one that that stands out for me, like off the top of my head, right now. Yeah, now l- l- learn to earn is a is a fascinating model. Um, and then I guess sort of the, the even bigger question, like going beyond Africa, is that, is that in, in your vision? Like where, where fluid coins international, what is that, what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like, so we do plan to, I mean, launch in some places to, um, I mean, um, UAE is a great, is a great starting point. Dubai is a great starting point. Even the UK is a great starting point, right? So, so I think I was telling someone the other day, um, I think I was telling someone the other day that, you know, um, that, um, crypto in Africa is really kind of like, if it's, it's, it's a must to have. It's, it's a great, it's a must to have, or like the West where crypto is a great to have, right? So if you look at, if you look at, um, payment platforms in the US as an example and all these things, um, in, in, in the West, um, crypto payments platform, they, they require you to pay with Bitcoin. They require you to pay with Ethereum when you have paid $30 gas. Which is just like mind boggling and, and it's going to be insane if you consider that in Africa. Oh, I want you to buy this $30 pair of shoe, but you're going to pay $30. It makes, yeah. it's like freaking insane. <laughs> we do plan to launch it in, in other places over the coming years. I, actually, actually, we are actually, we are actually, um, I, I don't think I can say it. I'll probably just text you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I came on the deadline. I came on the deadline. <laughs> we do, we do have, we do have concrete plans. We do have concrete plans for, 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 for other places outside Africa. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, it's super exciting. Now that you've sort of like, okay, you're still very early stages, but you've kind of made it in, in a sense, like you've done a very good job as a, as a founder in the space. Did you find like any responsibility to sort of train up others around you in terms of your role as an educator, not just through educating people by, 
by having them use Fluid Coins payments. Um, but in, in any other way that you, is there, is there any other way that you sort of educate people in the space and where they might be able to benefit? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting question, man. Um, so, so yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes. Right. I think it comes with the mission. Um, you, you can't share with me. Um, so, so, um, currently, you know, when it talks with people, there's actually a fintech conference that's going to be holding in Nigeria in the next, I think next month or so. It's, it's a traditional fintech thing. So they do have a digital asset, you know, section. We actually get on board and, and, and see how we can um, educate people there and whatnot. So I think it comes with the role. Um, we can share away from it or I can share away from it. Um, so, so definitely we'll be doing more of that over the coming months, holding, you know, physical events. Um, talking to people about crypto or, you know, going regularly to, to well-known conferences, tech conferences in the country, speaking about crypto and whatnot. So, so it's just a side effect of, of your mission. And yeah, we'll definitely be doing that. Or I definitely will be doing that. Yeah, no, de- definitely. And I, I, I think, I think it is a, a really, really good thing that you're doing <coughs> directly or indirectly through the payments as well. Um, it's been really interesting having you on, man, right? I think what you're building is super cool. I leave you. Uh, with with one last question, and that is, do you have any? I'll I'll let you choose actually. Any favorite fun fact, or a book or movie that you think is an unpopular recommendation, but you really like? I like a brand of food a lot, so much. So as an example, I see my I, my mom lives probably like you know fifteen kilometers, ten kilometers away from me, where I don't see her often. But a way to trick me to get me to come over is to, is to ask me to come eat that particular brand of food. So, so, so it, applies, it applies to everyone, right? It applies to everyone, right? Um, if I tell you, you know, I'm busy, but you tell me, oh, um, I'm making plans for this type of food, I definitely uh, would make plans or, you know, squeeze out my schedule to, to, to make it happen. So um, I like... I would say I like, I like, I like, I like food a lot, but I like a specific brand of food a lot that you know, I can literally do. Anything I can travel ten kilometers. <laughs> I can travel ten kilometers to go get it. What, what kind of food is it? Just out of interest, because it might, might include a recipe in the show notes. Native, it's a native Nigerian food. It's called um, amala. Um, so you take it with stew. It's a native Nigerian food, but it slaps a lot. And it's interesting <laughs> because I think why it's interesting for me because I didn't eat a lot of it growing up. You know, um, yeah. I was like. I, I, was, I didn't get a lot of it growing up. You know, I was always like, nah, I don't like it. I don't want it. But I think as I, as I turned, you know, like 17, 18, like he just started eating me. I was like, this is delicious. So I'm just trying to make up for all the, all the ones I did not eat when I was younger. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's a fun part. <laughs> it sounds delicious. Send, send me a recipe. I'm going to put that in the show notes. So I'm going to go home and try and cook it. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Ladre. Um, Absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for listening to that latest episode of Hands' Protocol Weekly. I deeply hope you enjoyed it. If you want to stay up to date with our podcast every week, follow the firm or myself on Twitter at hands underscore network or at AHR Whitford. Even better, uh, if you're a best case scenario where this episode has motivated you to start your own protocol, I'd recommend heading to our website at handsa.network and reaching out to the Accelerator Investments team through our founder forms there. I've been your host, Archie Whitford. Thanks for tuning in and look forward to next time.